Stop waiting. Stop looking around. There are no such things as handouts. You got to go out and earn it. They're not giving away complimentary tickets to success. Donations to your desired destiny does not exist. You got to go out and earn it. They're not giving anything away. You got to go out and put in the work. Nobody is going to give you anything. Something for nothing only exists in that cramped wall-to-wall -wall waiting room of failure. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Roy Hall Jr. Podcast. Let's go. We got some amazing reviews off last week's podcast. It was amazing. Last week was leadership and character. Today, we're going to dive into some stories on patience, some articles on patience, some information on patience. But one thing I do know about patience is putting in the work is learning how to wait. But we'll go ahead and we'll dive in and dissect that a little bit later because that's a powerful statement in itself. But like we do every week, I got to remind you that you can catch the Roy Hall Jr. podcast on every major streaming platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your streams, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you go type in the Roy Hall Jr. podcast, or you could just keep it simple and visit RoyHallJr.com, RoyHallJr.com, and click on the podcast section and you can listen to every episode to catch up on all the episodes that you've missed so far. I think one of the most valuable things that a person or people can do is to learn from the lives of other people. Uh, wisdom says that you don't necessarily have to make all the mistakes because someone else already has made them. So you can learn from the mistakes of other people. You can also learn from the victories of other people. And I think a lot of times we highlight what's wrong. We highlight the negative and the positive gets a little bit of sparkle. You know, it gets a little tiny little blip. You know, they reserve, you know, a two minute story on the 11 o'clock news for something positive. The other 28 minutes are reserved for all the, the negative and all the things that people are talking about that won't necessarily make a positive impact in their lives. And so what I like to do is consistently find what they call feel-good stories and leverage and use those feel-good stories to make you feel good. And you should feel good and you should be able to celebrate when other people are having success. And if you can train your mind to be overly amplified and excited and full of energy and enthusiasm when you see someone else having success, that and their success can give you the boost and the energy and the spark to get you moving forward and moving closer to your own personal success. And what better way to do that than to find resources and to find things that people have posted, uh, articles that are in the news that may be on the back page of the news, but to find instances where people are really having success. Now, success can be measured on so many different levels. It's not necessarily a monetary amount. Success has to be defined by what it is that makes you feel fulfilled and contributes to you walking in purpose. And I've defined walking in purpose as helping other people or using your position to help reposition those in need. Those in need could be need of encouragement. It could be need of a resource like food or shelter. It could be need of some advice or some wisdom. 
It could be need of experience or opportunity. It could just be in need of a friend. And so use your position to help reposition those in need. Let me start here. It says in this particular article, the headline reads, a man who used to panhandle outside of an outback steakhouse now works there. So panhandle is the very, very nice definition of that dude that's outside the restaurant asking people for money. That, that woman who's outside the restaurant that's sleeping in a chair. That lady or that man over there that's getting on my nerves because every time I walk by, they make me feel bad about myself. Panhandle, right? So they, they, they framed it nicely. But really, 99% of the people that walk past people who that quote-unquote panhandle, right, wish that they had a pan to shoo them away. They don't, they, they've written these people off. As a matter of fact, more people walk past individuals that are sitting outside a restaurant. They literally could turn their brain to just not even see that person, which is interesting because if they could turn their brain to not see fear, to turn their brain to not uh, uh, be selfish, to turn, if you can control your brain to not see a human being, you can control your attitude you can control your you could you could do some amazing things with that brain of yours but it's just interesting so a man who used to panhandle outside of an outback steakhouse now works there kenneth smith he's 50 years old from fourth fort worth texas was evicted from his apartment four years ago i'm gonna just stop right there i as a child know that as a child i felt the pressure of watching and knowing and understanding somewhat when my mom struggled with having to pay the bills. Where she, the fear of I will get evicted or I'll get kicked out of my home because I can't pay the mortgage. I know what that pressure feels like. And when you're eight, when you're nine, when you're 11, and you know that if she decided that she just was gonna be lazy and not go to work that day, then we might not have a place to stay. Or when you got to walk in after a pep talk. My mom gave me a pep talk one time. And it was probably the best pep talk I've ever had in my life. It was the best pep talk I've ever had in my life. I had to be around seven uh, or eight. But it was the best pep talk I've ever had in my life. Because my mom had to put her ego underneath her seat she had to humble herself so low if someone buried a treasure as low into the ground that she had to humble herself to have this conversation with me my mom had to take her pride and put it in the back or the undercoach or in the storage of a greyhound bus and send it down to florida from cleveland ohio she had to take her pride and send it so far away to have this conversation and then this conversation, as we sat in the driveway of my grandfather's house, the conversation consisted of her having to tell me that she had asked and he had given, but she had asked my grandfather multiple times, let's just say two or three times, because my mom didn't want to be the person to always have to ask for help had asked my grandfather to help us with our, with our rent. 
And up until that point, he had probably said yes. Now, you know, when you ask someone for multiple favors, eventually one day you're going to go and they're going to say no. I think we were on that number. But we sat in the car, and I don't remember a lot of things from my youth. It, if you talk to my mom, she'll say, hey, I don't understand how you don't remember these things. And some things are negative, some things are positive, I don't know. But this, this I remember, at least the basic details. And as I'm sitting in the car, she had to turn to me, her seven, eight-year-old little baby boy, and say, your grandfather loves you so much. She said, he loves you so much. You know he will do anything for you. He'll do anything for you. And I said, yeah, I know. And, you know, my grandfather would spoil me. I mean, he would, whatever I wanted. I love those old school super ropes, the licorice ropes. They probably were three feet long. And, you know, they used to sell them for a dollar fifty or $2 or whatever it was. And he found out that I liked those, and he bought me like 50. <laughs> three quarters of them went stale, but he bought me at least 50. I used to watch Popeye, you know, the cartoon, and... You know, I'm watching it all the time, and all he ate was spinach. I told my grandfather I like spinach. He went and bought me, like, 17 cases of spinach. I, spinach is the nastiest. Canned spinach is awful. I don't even know what we did with that spinach. It was terrible. But he would buy me and just do whatever he could for his grandson. He did the same thing for, for, for my sister as well. Well, she proceeded to tell me, and I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but it was probably in the range of 600 to $700. And she said, hey, you know, I'm going to need you to go and, and, and basically ask your grandfather for, for, for our, more, our rent this month, our, our mortgage this month, 700 let's say it's $700. So imagine how that would feel as a mom to have to tell her to feel like the only way that you can get what you need is to humble yourself, pep talk your son to be able to go in the house and not trick, not manipulate, but look his grandfather in the eye and say, hey, we don't have the money. Can you help us? I had to do it. And I said, okay. And I don't know if I was crying when I did it, but I know I was nervous because it was a big ask. And so I went in the house and I walked up. It was probably about seven steps. And he had just, you know, opened the door and he was happy to see me. And we got to the top of the stairs and I said, hey, granddad, we don't have the money to pay. And, and you know, we need like $700. And the look on his face was one I had never seen before. Mostly because what was going to come out of his mouth next was going to be something that he had never done before. And he kind of put his hands in his pocket and put his head down. He said, I, I don't have it. I can't do it. I don't have it. I can't do it. And I said, okay. Now, I didn't know what plan B was. I didn't know what was going to happen next. I just didn't expect, I didn't expect him to say that. I walked back down those stairs, and I got back in the car, and I said, he said he can't do it. And mom just like as strong as she ever, she just said, okay. She was, she was, she was excited at my, she was more happy that I actually did it than disappointed that we didn't get the money. Like she, she, I think she saw something in me because she knew 
that I was willing to do what I needed to do even at eight years old to take care of the people that I love most. It's a characteristic that I had learned and intercepted from her just from watching how she was navigating as a single mother. So she was more excited that I had picked up on the fact that in order to be successful long term, in order to live the life that you're supposed to live, no matter how bad things are, you got to be willing to sacrifice yourself and sacrifice what you want and get as uncomfortable as you need to get in order to make sure that the people in your life have exactly what they need to get. And so the disappointment of her not getting the answer to her prayer, so to speak, did not dwarf, it did not uh, smother out the fact that she was in love with my new determination and what she found in me. And we figured it out. I don't know where she got the money from. I don't know what she did. She probably sold something that she didn't want to, not like drugs or nothing, but probably pawned or gave some way. She probably did some, a garage sale. She probably worked some extra hours. I don't know what she did, but I know we didn't get kicked out that day, that month. I know that for certain. So when it says he was evicted, from his apartment four years ago, I know exactly what that feels like. And sometimes it's not your fault. People can make decisions in your family that put you in position where you don't have the finances to take care of what you need to take care of. So a lot of times we look at people who are quote unquote panhandling. We look at people who are maybe challenged in a different type of way financially. We call them names like bums and different things. They say, they say a lot of these things. But we don't necessarily know how they got there. So he was evicted four years ago. He had been experiencing homelessness up until earlier this year. Let me just stop there. I'm going to just say this. This is probably, <laughs> I hope I get to patience. I really do. I really hope I get to the patience part. It says he had been experiencing homelessness up until earlier this year. Now, I learned this working with a group called Starhouse which they provide shelter, they provide clothing, they provide resources, they provide food to children, young people, or youth who are experiencing homelessness in Central Ohio. I believe they even had a story on 60 Minutes um, recently. It's called Starhouse. Go ahead and look it up. But I, I learned that the, tone, the term they're homeless is not the, the appropriate way to title or to label someone who does not have a home, the best way to say it is they are experiencing homelessness. There's a big difference from calling someone homeless versus saying they're experiencing homelessness. This says he had been experiencing homelessness up until earlier this year. Now, this is saying two things. Number one, up until earlier this year means somebody in some way, somehow, this gentleman got a home. All right, so we can celebrate that. The article is letting us know ahead of time, at the end of this story, he's going to end up with some place to live. Now, let me just say for you, I don't necessarily know exactly what you're going through right now in your particular situation, but just know at the end of the story, you're going to have exactly what you want. You're going to have exactly what you need. You're going to have exactly what you deserve. So the whole goal is to, watch this, you are experiencing something negative right now, but it's only an experience. And all experiences come to an end. You can experience something for four years like this gentleman did. You can experience something negative for a day. You can experience something negative for a week or for five years. You can experience something negative for five minutes, but you're experiencing it 
right? It's almost like a, a, a an experiment on your character. The only way that we could determine how strong you really are, the only way that we could determine how much resilience you really have, the only way that we could figure out how much perseverance you have inside your heart, the only way that we could really get a gauge on your determination and your grit and your grind is to give you a negative experience and see how you respond to it. That's why life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. That experience is the 10%. The experiment is the 90% or the results of that experiment is the 90%. Anytime you're going through something negative, anytime you're going through something negative, it's only an experience. It's temporary. You, this man is experiencing homelessness. That's not who he is. That's not who he's going to be. That's not where he's going to remain. That's not where he's going to reside permanently. This is just an experience. And then it says, up until last year, earlier this year, rather, then it says, when the kindness of strangers provided him with the opportunity for a job. Oftentimes, we make the mistake. It was the same process that my mom went through and we went through as a family. We make the mistake of looking for the opportunity and looking for kindness from people that we care about. We often think that we're going to get what we need from the people that are closest to us. This, this is applicable in, in, in your work field, at work, at, at, at the office. This is applicable to, your, applicable to your family, to your relationships. But whenever we need something, we try and go to the people that we know that are closest to us. We look for kindness from people that we care about, people that are closest to us. And most of the time, they don't have the answers. They got their own problems. And a lot of times, they were looking to us for kindness and looking to us for answers. So then when we flip it and we need something from them, when the encourager needs encouragement, they often can't get it from the people that's closest to them because the people that are closest to them are used to getting encouragement from them. But it says kindness of strangers you get to be on both ends of this because the majority of you all have gotten that raise gotten that promotion you've gotten through some things in your life and you've gotten the encouragement or the resources or the information from people that were strangers from people that were strangers you also get to be on the other side i believe that Again, you should be using your position to help reposition those in need. And those in need can be a lot of things. And I listed those earlier. But in doing so, the only way that you can make a difference is if you're making a difference in the lives of people that you don't know. Because chances are, and ironically, those people probably need you more than the people that you actually care about and more than the people that you know. The people that need your help most are people that don't know you. Those are the people that need your help the most. Strangers, uncommon people, unfamiliarity, people that don't have an agenda, people that see the best in people, people that can look forward in the future and say, I can help this person and it won't hurt me to help someone else. That's what people make the mistake. They feel like if they help someone else get to the next level, it's going to hurt their position. It's the exact opposite. The more that you help people, the more valuable you become to the rest of the entire world. Then it says, my grandmother used to tell me, this will be helpful for you. I promise you this will be helpful for you. It's a good reminder. Kenneth said, my grandmother used to tell me that life is not always going to go 
according to how you want it to, to be. Life is not always going to go according to how you want it to be. Now, his grandmother told him this. He's 50 years old. So his grandmother probably told him. His grandmother probably passed away. Let's just say, it, it, you know, maybe his grandmother is 90 and still alive, but she's probably passed away. So at 50 years old, he's remembering this basic fundamental principle of life in general. Life is not always going to go according to how you want it to be. So how is it that you wake up every single day thinking that it's going to go exactly the way you that you want it to go? And when something doesn't go the way that you want it to go, you either throw in a towel or you get so frustrated and so down that you beat yourself up. You have never been in control. You have never been in control. And this is patience at its finest. I, the, 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 the message that I, I wanted to get to today is going to be on patience. And I might not be able to get to the, all of it, but I'll get to the majority of it. But you have to have patience. See, patience is having abnormal determination while simultaneously knowing that you aren't in control. But it's also having extraordinary discipline to stay in control of your emotions. So it's abnormal determination. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to grind. I'm going to get after it. I'm going to go after my goals. I want to be successful. I'm going to work hard. It's having that abnormal determination that no, not everyone has, but it's also knowing at the same time that I'm not in control. So while I'm grinding and I'm hustling and I'm working hard and I'm earning my keep, so to speak, I also know that I'm not in control. But in knowing that I'm not in control of what happens on the outside world, I also have extraordinary discipline, enough to say to myself that I need to stay in control of my emotions. So while I can't control what's going on on the outside, I can control how I'm working and my determination, but I can also be disciplined and I can control my emotions. Life is not always going to go according to how you want it to be. I know someone that lost a job recently and the first thing I kept thinking of is for whatever reason, you're not supposed to be in that place. What if I told you that you lost your job because the stress that you were about to endure or the stress that you were about to go through was going to cut off about 10 years of your life down the road? Would it be worth it to leave that job or to lose your job if you knew that the stress and the frustration and your blood pressure was going to go up and that it's, it's, an, it's amazing that you're out of that position now because of what was going to come down the road. Many a times when negative things happen to us, we think, we think like, wow, like, oh, it's so terrible. But you got to be able to, to use your imagination because you will use your imagination to beat yourself up on why you lost or why you didn't get the position or why something negative happened to you. So you could use your imagination and say, you know what? It's better for me to be gone. What if that company was about to hire someone that was going to be, <laughs> I say this, just, just an arch nemesis, somebody that was going to be a thorn in your side for the next five years that you couldn't deal with. You just never know how it's supposed to play out. So now you're free again. You get the opportunity to show and to share. Watch this. This is for anybody that's ever lost a job or <laughs> you might. But as soon as you don't, okay, what's your experience losing a job? I got cut from the Indianapolis Colts in 2009 or 2010 after I was as healthy as I've ever been and the only thing they gave me was a black trash bag 
to go to my locker and to clean it out. My teammates are still in the locker room getting dressed and different things, and I had to walk past all my teammates, go in my locker, put everything in a black garbage bag. Do you know how awful of a feeling that is? To walk past some of the greats in the NFL, they make eye contact with you, and they know it's your last day. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I can do this. I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm going to just wait till they, they all leave. And I walk and I clean out my locker. I'm putting, I take my nameplate off. The nameplate that I had worked 15 years of my life to get to. Got to take my nameplate off, throw it in the bag. My shoes, throw it in the bag. And then I got to take a three-hour drive from Indianapolis, Indiana, back to Columbus, Ohio, feeling like a failure. That's getting fired and losing your job. But guess what happened next? My agent got on the phone, and he started telling people about how great I was. He started verbalizing my resume. You don't know who this man is. He's 6'3", 240 pounds. He could run a 4'3", 40. Yeah, he's been hurt the last couple, two, three years, but he's back healthy now. You should give him a shot. And I got a chance to audition for the New Orleans Saints. I got a chance to audition in front of other candidates in front of the head coach. There were three receivers that they were looking at in 2010 to make the team that year. I got a chance to audit. I got a chance to show them how amazing and how bright and how gifted and how valuable I could be to their team. This team didn't want me, but I am still valuable enough, and I know I bring something to the table that if you give me the opportunity, I'm going to make a difference for your team. I'm going to make a difference for your club. So whenever you go from one position to another or lose your position or lose your job, you now have the opportunity to show and express how valuable you really are. You get to be free again. Now is my chance to show you how valuable. That in itself is enough to get you over the hump. Now it's going to be other people trying to go after that same position, but now you got to show how valuable you really are. It says here, my grandmother used to tell me that life is not always going to go according to how you want it to go. She said that life is good, but it can also be tart at times. I've never described life as tart. I like Sour Patch Kids, but I've never described life as tart. But grandma can describe life as tart as much as she wants. This is what he said. He says, it's been really hard, but all together, God, he'll never forsake you. He's blessed me with a job. Now, let me just stop right here. It's been really hard, but altogether, God, he'll, he's blessed me. Now, I'm not going to dive into the religious aspect of it, but I do want to talk about your relationship with the word faith. Because when times get hard professionally, privately, personally, finances, health, physical well-being, mental health, you have to have a certain level of faith. You have to be able to believe. You have to just be able to believe. Now, I'm not just talking about some mystical, magical, whatever it is, whoever it is that you believe in, you just have to believe that everything is going to work out. You have to believe that because if you believe the contrary, then you're going to get those results. 
You have to believe that everything is going to work out in your favor. You have to believe that you're going to come out on top of this. You have to believe that you're going to be able to get through this. You're going to you have to believe that you have what it takes to keep going. You got to believe you got enough fuel in the tank to keep pushing. You got to believe that you have enough time on this earth to recover from whatever it is that you lost to show how persevering and resilient you really are. You got to be able to believe you got to have faith. You got to believe that you have what it takes. You have to. Smith was sitting outside of an outback in Fort Worth one day and he had fallen asleep when a stranger, here's a stranger, tapped him on his shoulder to ask if he was okay. When he replied that I was starving, she told him to wait here and went inside the restaurant. Now, look, I got a couple things real quick. Number one, it says he had fallen asleep. He was tired. He was tired. So this is. Something I want you to write down. How about this? Get some rest. You've been working way too hard. Get some rest, please. Please get some rest. Please get some rest. Take, take some time to take a day for you. I've said this before. Take a mental health day. Just take a day where you do whatever you want to do. You can watch TV on the couch all day, Netflix. You can go to the movies. You can go walk in the park, walk your dog. You can go for a jog, a workout. Uh, Manny Petty, you can get your head shaving. You get a beard trim. Whatever you need to do, you can go shopping. You can get something to eat. Take a day, a mental health day. Not the weekend. Take a Wednesday off. Let them know ahead of time. I'm not coming in next week on Wednesday, okay? Let them know. Take, you need some rest. He Look, he, I fell asleep. Now, this is amazing. Because he wasn't out asking for money. He was asleep. I'm not worried about you people. I'm not depending on you guys to get my next meal. I need, to, I need some rest. And sometimes when you're resting, it gives you clarity. And it slows you down enough to where people may ask about you. Like, I haven't seen you for a while. You took the day off last week. Or is everything okay? And as soon as they start to notice that something was a little bit different, because people are used to your routine that you show them. So whatever you've been showing them, but it's your routine, people, hey, where, where'd you go? If you don't post on social media for a week straight, hey, where you been? You, is everything okay? Now watch this. They asked if he was okay. He replied that I'm starving. People every day will say, hey, how you doing today? And you're like, I'm good. And you lie to them because you're not good. There's something going on that you wish you could talk about, but maybe you don't know them or trust them enough with that information. He got extremely transparent and he said, I'm starving. There is something that I'm supposed to have that I don't have. I am depleted. I am worn down. I'm down to the bone. I'm empty right now. I'm starving. He didn't say, can you help me? He just told them the problem. Now, the person that asked how you were doing is their responsibility to try and solve the problem. You just gave them information because they expect you to ask for help. You, Hey, I'm starving right now. She said, go inside, wait here. That wait, that wait here stood out to me because that said everything had everything to do with patience. And one of the things I want to tell you about patience today is being patient or putting in the work includes learning how to wait, learning how to wait. And some of you all are working so hard and you're trying to, quote unquote, be patient, but you need to put more work in on learning how to wait. Sometimes other people have to get in position 
And sometimes people have to rearrange what they're doing with their life and use their expertise and use their position to help reposition you who are in need of a promotion. So I know you're putting in work, but putting in work, the grind, the hustle, that also means learning how to wait. It means learning how to wait. She went in, it later says she went in to get a card. He thought she was calling the police, it says. I thought she was going in, in there to call the police. This is something real quick. Stop thinking so negative. Some people do come to help you, not to hurt you. If you want to run a background check to everyone, every, to, on everyone that comes into your life, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. Some of those people are there to help you, not to hurt you. She went and got him a $100 gift card and said, go ahead and have a meal. Now, when he went in to use the gift card, he called eyes, so to speak, is what it says in the article, with the managing partner, Laura Hodges. She said, I thought that was a really great, awesome thing that somebody did. And it says, I sat down with him while he was eating and talked to him because he's really great with the people. Now, this is so good. She thought it was awesome to see what somebody else did. So this gentleman is about to get exactly what he needs because someone else did a kind gesture. So this stranger taps him on the shoulder. She goes in. The manager sees all this transaction happen. So it sparks her to say, what can I do? What can I do? And then she sat down and talked to Kenneth. And she said, he's really great with the people. Who says a panhandler sitting outside their Outback Steakhouse is good with the people? So this man doesn't have what he needs needs he's not in a position that he wants to be in but he's just as kind and he's putting in the work already he's putting in the work with the people already he's showing his character i tell people all the time your character determines your destiny not your resume not your master's degree not your phd not your title next to your name not the letters next to your name your character determines your destiny because he was a high character person and greeting and being polite to the people that weren't giving him what he wanted and what he needed. People walking past him and not even recognizing him as a human being. He was still being kind, so kind that the manager noticed and said, he's great with my customers. Then she said, I want to pass it forward, the good favor. I want to pay it forward. And she said, you don't even have to use your gift card. As a matter of fact, whenever you get hungry, you can come in here. And then the friendship between Smith and Hodges, the, the gentleman, Kenneth Smith, and the, the manager, grew over the next few months. And then it says Smith, uh, who said it was particularly hard for him to find any work in the pandemic, like many people out there right now, some of you all right now listening, would offer to do any odd jobs at the restaurant. So now he can't find a job. He has a friend that he's built a relationship with over the next two months. Because of their conversation and their relationship, she says, this pro I built some trust. She built some trust with him, and he built some trust with her. He said this. This is what she said. He was never looking for handouts. He always wanted to earn money. So then she asked if he would like a full-time job at the Outback, and he said, I love to do whatever you need me to do. He said, I'll be a busser. I'll, be, I'll just clean the tables up. And he said he was so happy to do, to do that. Or she said to him, he was never looking for handouts. He always wanted to earn money. Oh, this is so good right here. He always wanted to earn money. Now, this man has been patient, hasn't had a house 
for four years. Been experiencing homelessness for four years. Can't find a job in the pandemic. He got people walking past him every day. People overlooking him every single day. How many of you all have been overlooked for an opportunity? Waiting for your chance. One of the things that they say is patience is a virtue, which means it's a healthy quality to, to be able to accept when something takes a long time, right? You can accept that. Patience is a virtue, virtue. But patience is also a voice, generally low and calming. Unfortunately, it's commonly drowned out by the loud, aggressive voice that wants to be in control. So when you start to get into a point where you want to be in control, that's when you start, if he, Kenneth, had a, hey, I need some money. I'm jiggling my cup. I'm not doing that. I might fall asleep sometimes. I might rest, but I'm going to always be kind. I'm going to be kind because I'm being patient because I know I'm only experiencing homelessness. This is not something that's going to be permanent. So he's patient. He's exercising his patience. He was even being patient when he was getting to know the manager. He didn't ask for a job. He didn't beg and plead. He just built the relationship. He's continued to be patient. He's still having to sleep outside this restaurant. He's being patient this entire time. I'm eventually going to get out this situation. I'm eventually going to get what I want. I'm being kind to the people I come in contact with. They may look at me wrong. They may talk about me. They may think nasty thoughts about me, but I'm going to still have a high character. I'm not going to allow what other people say or do to me to dictate and determine who I become just because I'm not getting what I need to get and because I'm in the bad position that I'm in. And she says this key part right here, and I want you to take this with you. He has never and was never looking for a handout. There are no such things as handouts. You have to earn it. There are no such things. There are no complimentary tickets to success. Donations to your desired destiny does not exist. There are no donations to your desired destiny. Something for nothing only exists in the cramped wall-to-wall waiting room of failure. You aren't entitled to anything. You got to go out and you got to earn it. You got to pay your dues. You got to push. You got to pull. You got to grind. You got to have hustle. You got to put in the work. And sometimes putting in the work includes learning how to wait. Learning how to wait. You don't think being kind to strangers is a part of the grind? You don't think that's paying your dues when people don't even look at you as a human? When people overlook, when people overlook you and you're an overachiever and they're still overlooking you. They still don't recognize your value. You don't think that's putting in grind. That's not paying your dues. That's not, that's not earning, earning, earning your success because there's no donations. They're not just going to give it to you. Nobody's going to give you anything. Sleeping outside of an Outback Steakhouse for four years or three years or however long you've been outside that, out, that's paying your dues. That's putting in work. It takes a certain type of discipline and mental toughness to be able to be in position to watch people eat every day and walk past you every day and not ask them for anything. Look at them, watch, make eye contact with you and almost look through you. But he still put himself in position. And it's, here's the thing. There are people, there are people that were interviewing for that job to be the person that's taking care of the dining room and being the buster, so to speak. But he didn't even have to interview. He didn't have to interview. Because his work ethic, his patience intervened for him. And he was a prime candidate to get a job that was and could have went to someone else with a better resume. 
It doesn't necessarily matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter where you are in your position. You're on one side of it or another. You're either the person in need or you're the person in position to help someone in need. And so you have to use your position to help reposition those people in need. Write down, I am not in control. That's what you got to write down. Write down, I am not in control. You keep you put that on a post-it note. Just just keep telling you, I'm not in control of this stuff on the outside, but I can I can be in control of my emotions. I'm not in control of the outside, but I am control of the inside. I do want to give you three tips to help you become a more patient person. Number one, I call it balancing your books. So number one is balance your books. And this is really simple. I need you to focus your energy on areas that you need to improve, projects that you need to be completed, and people that you care about the most. So when you want something to come your way that's not necessarily coming as fast as you want to, I need you to divert your energy into areas that you need to improve, other areas that you need to improve, okay? Or projects that you need to be completed. So if you have something that you could take care of around the house, uh, something that you need to build, Yard work, you need to get something painted, um, a habit of maybe building cars or working, whatever you like doing, okay, that's a project that needs to be completed, you can work on that. So now your time is being in your mind and that negative energy is, is, you don't have time to focus on it because you're doing something else. You can also spend time with the people that you care about the most. That's all about balancing your books, okay? So too much of your, your time has been focused on this one area that you neglected these other areas and now the people in your life are wanting more of your time needing more of your time and so when you divert that energy hey you know what while I'm waiting on this to happen I can start to focus on my family a little bit more I can focus on my team a little bit more and figuring out what they need number two again another tip to help you become a more patient person value the moment okay value the moment and value movement don't overlook the fact that this thing that you're waiting for, it keeps you in position to know that you had today. Not too many people, when I say not too many people, I'm talking about 150,000 people did not wake up today. And so the fact that you do have a day to not get what you want is something to celebrate. So you value the moment this is a moment for me to grow. This is a moment for me to exercise patience. This is, I'm hopeful something good may come out of this, but then also value movement. I need you to document and track all your progress. So you didn't just get to this point by happenstance. You didn't just trip and fall to where now all of a sudden you got to be patient for the next thing to come. You've been working hard. Track your progress. Like start to think about it. As a matter of fact, you should document everything. But just track your movement. Like, where did I start? And now where am I today? And, and that took time. And since that took time, getting what I want is going to take a little bit of time. Just document and track your progress. The small victories along the way. Don't forget about those small victories. And then number three, I need you to acknowledge that you are not in control. You are not in control. Write this down. Y A. N is in Nancy, I C. Y A N I C. You are not in control. You are not in control. Here's the other thing 
Faster doesn't does not guarantee your desired future. Just because you want something a little bit faster, that does not guarantee your desired future at all. Acknowledge that you are not in control. If you if you let your listen, the only thing that you're in control of is yourself. So you can't worry about trying to control everyone else. You are not in control. I hope today was was awesome for you. We this 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 right here, this is another one. This is another one that you can tuck away to help you walk through anything that you're going through. The difference between experience and experimenting. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. Some of you all are experiencing massive success. Massive success. You're experiencing massive success, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to always be like that. And what's the cost that to get you to that level? Okay. And one day you're going to need some words of encouragement. So it goes both ways. It goes both ways. Thank you so much for always tuning in to the Roy Hall Jr. Podcast. I say it every single week. You can find every episode on every major streaming platform. One of my favorites is Apple Podcasts, but you got Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Podbean. And then my absolute favorite to find every episode of the Roy Hall Jr. Podcast is RoyHallJr.com, RoyHallJr.com. Make sure you share this podcast. It's as simple. It takes 10 seconds to click the share button, take the link, and send it to three of your buddies, three of your friends, three of your family members that can use some encouragement. We need people to stay motivated. We need people to keep a positive perspective, and we need people to walk in purpose. There is so much negativity in the world right now. We need as much positive energy circulating throughout the universe as possible. Again, go to RoyHallJr.com. RoyHallJr.com. Thank you again for allowing me to invade your space, your radio, your podcast, your emails, right? Um, your cell phones. Thanks for allowing me to, to, to walk with you. Like always, I want you to stay motivated, keep a positive perspective, and absolutely walk in your purpose. Stay in control of your emotions. Till next time. Peace.